Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacker Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void or prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hey everybody, it's Dave here and Darren from the Great White North. Have we got a show for you today? We're going to preview the San Francisco 49ers versus our Minnesota Vikings coming up next. Welcome to Two Old Bloggers, your 2021 pregame show for the Vikings. Hello, everyone. It's Dave and Darren to talk Minnesota Vikings football versus the San Francisco 49ers. But first, I want to shout out to my old two partners, Mr. Ted Glover, who's crying in his beer right now, and Drew Bunting, (laughs) who is rejoicing and is probably still dancing around the house as we speak. Why? Because But But not drinking. But not drinking. Why? Because... Michigan finally beat Ohio State. Just like the Detroit Lions, they're once good at once every decade or two. Hey, Karthik, welcome for joining us today. Appreciate it. You coming over from the previous show. Um, and yes, there's Drew himself. He's grinning. Um, congratulations, buddy. I'm glad your team won. All right. First... <laughs> First off, how you doing there, Darren? I need to find my. Beer. I'm still basking, still basking in Sunday's win. Dave beating the that team from Wisconsin. As usual, we made it more difficult than maybe it should have, could have, should have, could have been. Uh-huh. Uh, how you give up a 75-yard touchdown with just over two minutes left after you've just taken the lead but it all worked out fine uh so no, how, no complaints how is Brashad Breland but uh, you know stuff happens but we pulled it out and we got the victory and that was so we neat we need another one though. always yes we do uh I was saying a few weeks ago that uh when the when the Vikings beat the Chargers I and got to four and five I said very good win, road win against a pretty good, decent team. We did some very good things there, but I'm not going to get excited or uh, fall for the old Vikings trick this season until they beat, A, the Packers, and then follow it up with a win over the 49ers. Then, as you might get excited. Then, then, yeah, then I might be willing to turn, you know, turn around my uh, – um, the uh, the opinion I have of this team as being underachieving and, and right, not uh, re- really going to go anywhere. Um, yeah, that that's that is like you said, got to get another win. 
this tomorrow is that other win. Get to six and five, get over 500 for the first time in the year, and then you've got the Lions next week on the road. Uh, and yeah, it's it, things are set up pretty good for the Vikings. Yeah, just enough to reel us in and then let us down hard. All right, yeah. let's whoops talk about this game. Let me get to where I need to be. We have all right. The Vikings at the 49ers played in Santa Clara, California. Going to be a beautiful day tomorrow. Uh, game starts at like three twenty-five, something like that. It's the three. It's the afternoon game. Um, the only people that get to watch it live are in. The West Coast Bay Area and Minnesota, North Dakota, South Dakota, bits of Iowa, etc. Everybody else is stuck with Joe Buck and Troy Aikman and the Packers. I looked, um, unfortunately. <laughs> I'll be streaming it tomorrow uh, because that's the only way I could do it. Both teams are five and five. Both teams started out three and five and have won their last two. To get to this point, both teams, when it comes to playoffs, have playoff implications rolling on it. Currently, um, there's your standings. Minnesota, if it ended today, would be the sixth seed. San Francisco would be the seventh. This moves tomorrow greatly, um, depending on who who wins and who loses and the other team's percentage of getting there will go down dramatically. Uh, so, with that, it's time to start. <laughs> David Rinaldi, yes, D-line's huge problem. We'll get into that. <laughs> David, again, that, that Joe Buck I agree, yes. And Mikey Jerome, welcome David, to the house. David's making some good points. <laughs> yes. All right, let's get this thing rolling. We normally start out with the stats, deep stats, and today will be no different. Let's look at the Vikings' offense versus their defense. Here are your numbers. From PFF, we're ranked 10th on offense. Football Outsiders, 9th. Elias, uh the variety, 7th in yards, 8th in passing, 11th in rushing, which surprised me, and only 15th in points. Got to get those points up, people. Their defense... Last week helped. Their defense is decent. Um, overall, PFF has them 7th. Outsiders, 11th. Um, and then you get to yards, passing, and rushing. Here, according to this... Um, they give up a lot, a lot of yards rushing, and which is good and bad for us tomorrow. We'll see how that plays in. They are favored by three at home. Is there anything on the offense, our offensive slide, their defensive slide, you want to hit on real quick, Darren? Yeah, the big thing there is that... Um although Elias is not in agreement with uh, football outsiders on it, but it, it looks like uh, the Vikings' strength this year is uh, passing the ball. Even though, uh, even though Cook is, I think he's top five rushing right now in the league, maybe a little bit, little bit more, uh, and, he, and he's missed a couple of games. But the, the analytics folks don't like our, our run offense very much this year, and it's 
in a lot because uh, I think because of poor uh, offensive line blocking for the run. Uh, Cook and Madison and whoever is in there are having to make a lot of the hay on their own and not getting much help from the offensive line uh, uh, on uh, with the run blocking. Uh, so the, the, really the what it looks like is that the Vikings with Justin Jefferson rolling right now, Adam Thielen being the solid number two guy, but not making the big plays, but making plays. And then Tyler Conklin has been solid at tight end. K.J. Osborne's disappeared a bit the past three or four games, but he makes a big catch pretty much every game, it seems. But offensively, the pass offense, the new push-it-downfield pass offense, that is a – looks like a – you know, a – that looks like a – an advantage for the Vikings mm-hmm. and something they can exploit, particularly because the the 49ers uh, defensive backfield is not overly strong. Jimmy Ward's a good player, but they lost Jason Verrett to injury. Surprise, surprise, at the beginning of the year. Uh, they've got a lot of guys in there that really aren't too much to write home about. That's where you see the big uh, advantage or, the, you know, the the thing that the Vikings could potentially really capitalize on if they continue with uh, being able to make big plays, pushing the ball downfield th- with Kirk Cousins, throwing to mostly Justin Jefferson, but other guys as well. Uh, the other thing that kind of sticks out is that the 49ers um, aren't getting a lot of turnovers, very few, uh, and uh, turnovers you know, can be a big swing in the game. Meanwhile, the Vikings offense has not been turning the ball over, although there is some luck involved in that. The last two weeks, we've gotten a bit lucky, I yes. think. Particularly oh, last week, we had an inter, you know, inter- interception deep in Green Bay territory. They got called back on a helmet-to-helmet call. It was a, it was a penalty. Well, it was but a still, call. I mean, it was legit. Yeah, it was legit, but, but that happened. Uh, maybe if the ref doesn't see that, it's mm-hmm. you know that that interception happens. Uh, Savage dropped that interception late in the last drive, and uh, and you know there was the fumble by Cousins that Darisaw pounced on. Luckily, that could have you know that could have that easily been, been disastrous. Uh, mm-hmm. That could have been disastrous. So the Vikings got a bit lucky on the turnover luck last week, and uh, that's kind of some of the 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 bit of the uh, again the risk reward that you get. When you hold on to the ball longer, uh, trying to make deeper throws down the field, if A, you need your pass protection to be uh, on point and hold up so those longer routes can develop, and B, uh, sometimes you got to throw to a receiver who's not necessarily open and hope trust that he makes a play, and that's been happening the past two weeks, but sometimes it can lead, if a DB makes a good play, you get an interception. Uh, yeah. So. You know, um, and, and we'll talk. Is there. We'll talk more about that offensive line later in the show because that's going to be one of those keys to the game we always talk about. Yeah, All right. I think the, the the concerning thing is um, just one last thing, Dave. Is the concerning thing is that I really think that in order to allow those offensive those mm-hmm. deep passes to occur, we have to have a, a running game that's at least a threat and not getting stuffed. Right. Cook, Cook has to be effective, like he was last week, particularly in the second half. Uh, and if they totally shut him down and make us one-dimensional, I think that's going to be a big problem for us. Okay, now we flip the script. Here we have Vikings on defense, Niners on offense. Uh, PFF isn't as happy with our defense. They show us 19th, which when it comes to gut feeling, that seems about right to me. 
Uh, Vikings offense, or Niners offense at 11th. Football Outsiders 13th overall. And they have, they're a lot higher on that Niners offense at number four. Then we get into the Elias numbers, your general box score stats. And you can see the Vikings don't fare so well in just about all those categories on defense, except for when it gets down to sacks. However, our biggest pass rushers are not going to be present Sunday, so <laughs> this is going to be interesting. Um, we're also, we get a fair amount of turnovers on defense. Uh, sacks allowed. Uh, Niners are higher than I thought they would be. They've allowed 19 sacks, and they've given up 14 turnovers. Um, yes, Niners six sickness. All of our starters, normal starters, for the season are out, and that's going to make those numbers probably drop even more. It's going to take... And three of them... Mm-hmm. And three of them are likely not going to be back for... One is definitely not back at all, and mm-hmm. two of them might not be back for a while Yeah. Well, there's... I heard this week, um, there is possibility that uh, Hunter could be back for the playoffs, but that's... A, he had a torn pack. That usually takes like nine months. I can't see that. Um, so... Uh, nope, me neither. Theoretically, maybe, but nah, that's too much. Um, that's the defense. Now on to the special teams. Special teams here. This surprised me. Vikings went down a couple points. They're now 13th overall. And Niners aren't bad. They're at 7th. They went up last week. And they're at 7th. So we do not want to get into... We never want to get into a game relying on kickers. Minnesota Vikings fans know how bad that gets. Uh, We don't want to get into a game where we're depending on the other kicker to miss one or our own kicker to make one. That's right. And especially out on the West Coast, uh, it's more difficult. The team, it's harder to win on the left coast for the Vikings. Uh, Why do you think that is? That is a time difference? Time change and travel, yeah, I think is it. They've only, I think in the Zimmer era, they played out there in that 3 o'clock time slot like eight times, and Zimmer's only won twice. Um, Niner Sickness talks about D Ford is back and may help Nick Bosa. We'll get our next slide, of course, is the injury report. Here we have Everson Griffin out. Uh, non-football related injury. We know that it was due to a, another mental break issue with Everson. We hope and pray that he is with good folks and getting the treatment he needs. Brashad Breeland is questionable. I don't know. He seems to be on that list every week now. Um, yeah, he was questionable last week and he played the whole game yeah. and didn't look any worse for the wear. Actually, he played a pretty good game. Except for that last one where he got well, flipped that was, around. That was Xavier Woods. Uh, Xavier Woods. It wasn't Freeland. Right. Um, Wyatt Davis is questionable. I guess he hurt himself in practice. Um, Never Josh, plays. Yeah. Josh Metellus is questionable, which is, again, both of those guys are special teamers. 
And then Dalvin Tomlinson is on here uh, for COVID, and we'll get more into him here shortly. For the Niners, you have Jamichael Hastie's out, ruled out already. Maurice Hurt is, Hurst is doubtful. Elijah Mitchell is questionable. And then I put questionable by D. Ford and Dre Greenlaw because I saw a tweet from the um, Niners that both of those guys are going to be game-time decisions. Uh, Niners sickness could probably tell us more if he wants to hop in and say, um, you know, type in a messenger, what exactly does he feel they're going to play? He obviously thinks D. Ford's going to be back and help that defensive rush. But we saw Greenlaw see. got uh, activated from the IR today, I saw. Okay. Uh, so that means that he's eligible to play, but whether he plays or not, they have. I think they have three games to to bring him back. Okay. Uh, but uh, the, yeah, the uh, the D Ford being if if Niner sickness, if D Ford is playing, uh, it's quite possible he is. Uh, that is uh, pretty important for the 49ers because it's you know he's that second outside pass rushing guy that the Vikings would have to worry about beyond Nick Bosa, who they probably have to devote four blockers to stop. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> Bosa's well, that good. If they do, we're going to get to somebody else that they're going to need to stop, too. It's, it scares me. Um, Drew, uh, I don't know if Jimmy G getting drunk is good for the Vikings <laughs> or bad. <laughs> we'll find out. Let's move into our first segment that you wanted to talk about. The loss of this man. Um, Dalvin Tomlinson, who has been exceedingly well at three technique slash nose guard this year. And, uh, he tested positive for COVID this week. And of course he's one that is known not to be vaccinated and Mm -hmm. he is out. Great graphic too. Look at those COVID. Yeah. Virus, virus thingies there behind him. That looks sharp. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the uh, the the Tomlinson you wouldn't think is a is a big loss, but considering it, his loss is tacked on to a whole bunch of losses that we've had uh, recently uh, at by the at the during the by the third game of the season, the Vikings' starting defensive line was Daniel Hunter, Michael Pierce. Tomlinson and Everson Griffin had taken over for DJ Wanham. And now we don't have any of those guys. uh, Tomorrow it's going to likely be Sheldon Richardson on the outside with Wanham. On the inside will be Lynch and Armin Watts. Mm -hmm. Who, Armin Watts, by the way, has been playing fucking great and uh, been a real pleasant surprise. But nonetheless, you know, losing Tomlinson, he's provided, I think, pretty good. Uh, pass rush up the middle, and uh, and on the run defense, I don't know. Nobody's doing well on the Vikings, so. <laughs> but, yeah, but he's, he's an important piece. He's an important piece, and he's been stout. And like the linebackers say, the big bodies of him. And when Pierce was in there, they kept people off of Kendricks and Barr, and that's what we needed. So. And what I've liked about the Vikings' ability this this year is. You know, with them adding, getting when they got Hunter back, adding Tomlinson, they brought back Everson Griffin, and 
sign Tomlinson, Pierce, and with the other guys like Lynch, like Watts, um, Wanham, now Willicus, they had a like a pretty good Richardson signing. They had a good deep rotation, and they were doing, I think, a pretty good job of 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 uh, mixing, getting guys equal amount of snaps for the most part, although Hunter was playing them pretty much all the time. But they had a good rotation going. Keep the defensive line fresh. You know, keep them fresh for later in the game. Now you've got uh, guys like Lynch and Watts, who were supposed to be your backups and, mm-hmm. and the supplementary guys, and Wanham now. They are now the, you know, they're the starters for this game. And who, is your, who are your backups behind them? Right. Patrick Jones, Eddie Yarbrough, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So the, the loss of Tomlinson is going to hurt on the pass rush in particular, I think, up the middle where we'd like to see some push, get in Jimmy G's face, make him uncomfortable. For you know, Don't allow him to step up into the pocket and step into those throws. And so Tomlinson, that loss, I think, is, is, a, is, is an important loss. Uh, and a and it comes at a very bad time for the for the Vikings. Uh, on the other hand, but when you have losses like this, it's an opportunity for people, and this is an opportunity. James Lynch is is going to play a lot. Armin Watts is going to play a lot. DJ Wanham is going to play a lot, and guys like that are going to have to win on the line of scrimmage. And but I'm not very particularly with Wanham. I'm not very uh confident that he's going to be able to do that he's uh really got one sack in 10 games Uh, not a whole lot of pressures uh not really looking like an impactful guy but he's all we got at this point i'm really hoping that kenny willikus plays a lot and provides the kind of uh the juice and the pressure he did in the baltimore game maybe he can be the x factor along with james lynch and th- but those guys, the reserves, got to have big games. It's an opportunity for them to show what they can do. It's an opportunity for them to show that they have a future with the Vikings or with some team in the NFL. And uh, it's a big, big opportunity for all of those guys. Let's see if they, they take advantage of it. But uh, I'd sure like to have Dalvin Tomlinson in there considering all the guys that were, were missing, including Everson Griffin, like you said. Uh, right now, I don't care about his football future we um, we, we want him to get we well mentally mm-hmm. we want him healthy but uh he has 33 total pressures this year and that's tops on the vikings and uh so not having him some other guys got to step up we'll see if they can um now you talked Aaron about watts Aaron watts has stepped up yep he has you talked about uh kyle shanahan knowing that his running game is always good, no matter who gets the ball. And we just went over the guys that are going to need to step up to stop this. Andre Patterson and Mike Zimmer are going to have to scheme and coach their tails off this week if the Vikings have a chance to go in and defeat um, the 49ers. Um. Drew's asking about Debo. Uh, Guess what, Drew? That is our next graphic. You wanted to talk about the Debo Samuel effect. What is the Debo Samuel effect? The Debo Samuel effect is that um, 
we we hear a lot about George Kittle. A great tight end might be the best tight end in the NFL, depending on who you talk to. But but uh, it, along with the fact that yeah, uh, along with the fact that they, you know this year he'd been injured a bit and he's missed a few gains, but. Uh, Debo Samuel is the guy that makes the, the 49ers offense go right now. Uh, he's a dual threat, really, really unique player, as your uh, stats show. The 49ers use him in the backfield quite a bit. Uh, and passing-wise, he's having a career year. The guy is a yards-after-the-catch yak machine, like a real strange kind of wide receiver because i think he's like six feet and like 220 or something like that like not a big tall wide receiver but a thick guy great very very strong hands tough as hell to bring down on tackling uh if the vikings and he's he's been ascending this the lately during the the 49ers uh bit of a resurgence i don't like this matchup for the vikings at all i don't think we have anybody who can deal with him uh but we're going to have to deal with him so as drew mentioned you've got a game plan for this guy uh, i know george kittle is a threat too but if you don't stop samuel i don't think that it's going to be a very good day for you for the for you as a defense and it wouldn't be a very good day for the vikings defense and uh really he's almost like they're he's one of their top uh, rushers right now is uh, along with being their their best wide receiver by far uh, but he's the guy that the the multi-dimensional threat he's on the 49ers offense the real superstar right here right now and uh you gotta find a way to stop him and i don't really know what the vikings can do i don't think a linebacker on him in pass <laughs> you know on, on some of those short routes is going to work uh if uh, we when our defensive backs who have had struggles tackling this year are corners. If they're on him, uh, can they prevent him from getting extra yards after the catch when he does catch the ball? Uh, real tough matchup. And again, I, I don't see the Vikings. He He's not a very good uh, matchup for any defense, but particularly this Vikings defense, which again has really struggled with tackling this year and stopping the run. So you give Debo the ball in the backfield, and he's been getting big runs this year when he's gotten it. He's gonna. There's a big opportunity there against this defense for that. When he passing the ball, again, big opportunities for him to break big plays by breaking a lot of tackles. Well, tough, and then passing the ball, up. when he catches it, Debo can line up. I've seen that he's lined up in every single conceivable spot you can think of for a wide receiver or a back. So... Who's going to cover it? Patrick Peterson will most likely have the majority of the responsibility to cover this kid. But is that enough? And especially when he goes inside. Then you got Mac Alexander covering him. And he may flip sides. And I doubt Patrick Peterson will, will flip sides with him. Um, so it's going to be interesting. I do like this. Karthik talked about just a little bit ago. Oh, my God, Jefferson, how do we stop him? Us saying, oh, my God, Debo, how are we going to stop him? Um, yes, it is very much some offensive love or weapons love, and we will see. Uh, he talks about Jimmy G. We'll get to Jimmy G in just a second. Um, we'll see if the, uh, the Vikings do uh, – I think we'll see if the Vikings do the, the Patriots thing, which is um, – 
try to take one your best player away and see if the other players can beat you. Right. Um, that's, yeah, but they've got other so, players like this. Oh, well, um, they do. Oh, they do. But uh, who do you think is the game real game breaker? George Kittle or Debo Samuel? I would say it's Debo Samuel. And then uh, with with Kittle, you you you, you got to pick your poison and say, well, let's see what if he can be the playmaker today. Especially if you can get a little bit of uh, if you can get some pressure on Jimmy G, make him uncomfortable in there. Don't give him the time to to make those uh, down the seam throws. Maybe that, that you know maybe that's the winning formula for the Vikings defense. Karthik, yes, we do. But the one thing with Kittle, and Drew will attest to, George Kittle gives me nightmares of Kittle over the middle, beating Anthony Barr, what was that, three years ago in San Francisco, when the shootout, ah, uh, that was... Um, <laughs> but getting back to Debo, you wanted to highlight this one. Yes, and... Kathik Ayuk is going to also be somebody we need to watch if uh, if we manage to shut down Debo. But Debo is deadly after he catches the ball. Look at those yak numbers. Yeah, no, it's a it's an insane amount that he's getting, and uh, I've I've watched bits and pieces and uh, of Forty ers most of the Forty ers game this year, mm-hmm. uh, as well as caught a few of them like the when they played the Packers. And uh, the guy is uh, this isn't just a case of him doing getting a few big plays, uh, and you know getting the you know making those increasing those numbers with right. like an eighty yard uh, you know uh, catch that and seventy five of it was after the catch. Debo Samuel does this consistently on every catch. You rarely get him down as soon as he catches the ball. Always getting extra yards, and a lot of the times he's getting a lot of extra yards on those catches. Uh, this is a case where the average of the average is actually quite accurate, I think, and mm-hmm. it isn't based on, like I said, a few big plays that pumped yeah, up pumped up the well, uh, the average a lot. We saw all his plays that he's got so far and all those yards. That is hundreds of plays that go into this average. And that that's almost 10 yards. Yak is fantastic. Yeah, and um, Karthik was talking about uh, all, all the uh, 49ers wide receivers being deadly in yards after the catch. That's, that's uh, of course, that's a Shanahan staple. Uh, that uh, he's always looking for wide receivers who can do that, and Ayuk is uh, another guy who can do that. He's uh, been uh, he had a tough, uh, wasn't really effective early in the year, or they weren't targeting him much. But he's done better the past couple of games, and um, and really uh, when you look at the Vikings' corners, uh, the uh, Breland's kind of been hit miss, mostly mm-hmm. missed this year, and lately. Uh, Mac Alexander, who is uh, our slot guy, has uh, teens have been picking on him pretty hard, and being quite uh, successful in their picking. Uh, so Mac Alexander's got to turn the season around, and he's got to have a good game against the 49ers for for, for uh, to help out this defense and uh, stop the passing game. If well, he's not the only if, one. If yeah. we if we force mm-hmm. if we force the uh, the 49ers to, to even have to throw the ball. <laughs> um, Xavier Woods also needs to turn his play around. Hopefully last week was just an aberration 
because generally he's been playing well this season. He's going to also have to step up. The entire defensive backfield is going to have to step up because of the front, front seven. I mean, we're fine with Barr and Kendricks, but the, the interior rush is most likely going to be lacking. And so the backside has got to step up this week. Um, yeah, the uh, last week, uh, the, that team from Wisconsin, um, for the Niner fans who were on the call, they'll, uh, that's what we call uh, the, uh, the Packers because we don't have enough respect to actually call them by their, by their name. <laughs> but uh, but um, last week, the Packers, that team from Wisconsin, they, uh, they were able to get a wide receiver on Xavier Woods and uh, Marquise Valdez Scanling was uh, one of the beneficiaries of that. But uh, that was a, that was a matchup that they were able to uh, get and exploit. And uh, I'm sure that Kyle Shanahan noticed that. And I think he'll be trying to do the the you know some similar things there if he actually has to throw the ball, because uh, the the run offense of of uh, under Shanahan is always effective. It doesn't matter who they have at running back. They always mm-hmm. seem to have a really good running attack. You know, yes. Jeff Wilson, Jr., Sr., Elijah Mitchell, Raheem Mostert. Uh, it doesn't matter who they throw in there or who they lose. They always seem to have an effective running attack. And, uh, again, the Vikings' run defense has been poor this year, uh, which means that Shanahan's going to want to pound the rock tomorrow and uh, not put the game in Jimmy Garoppolo's hands. Right. Um Beto asked, what was Matt's uh, pick? He picked the Vikings 35-10 over the, um, over the 49ers. I doubt Seems that. generous. Yeah. Seems generous. Uh, I think, <laughs> I'm curious what Matt was on, but uh, we'll see. Matt is going to be guesting. We'll get there. You know, we have the final score after the game. Or at the end of the game, final two minutes, where our network, Climbing the Pocket Network, gets online and we do our post-game show. After that, about 30 to 45 minutes after that, Niner Sickness has invited Matt Anderson of Vikings Happy Hour onto his show, especially after that 35-10 prediction that Matt had. It should be interesting, folks. It should be interesting. Um, yeah. Matt Matt might have to eat a lot of crow. Um, Drew saying Shanahan had a tremendous game plan versus the Rams. Long drives, controlled running backs. I'm expecting he will try the exact same thing. Niner sickness sickness went on it Wednesday on Vikings Happy Hour. Said the exact same thing. He, he told them they own L.A. They whoop their backside. Something terrible. And yes, Drew, I think that's probably pretty similar of a game plan that they will try to employ against our Vikings. That's their game plan every week, Dave. Mm-hmm. Uh, last week against the, the Jaguars, and the Jaguars are terrible, but uh, the, the first drive of the game was an 18-play drive for a touchdown. That the oh, yeah, eight 10-plus minutes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's uh, that, and that's what they're going to try to do. Uh, they're they're going to look for just like they did in 2019 in the divisional 
uh, playoff game against the Vikings where they ran it down our throat. I think Jimmy G threw the ball five times in that game. That's all he had to uh, because they kept on getting five, six, seven yards every run play. Uh, could be the same thing tomorrow without Tomlinson in there and without Griffin and without Hunter. Uh, you know, it's a you know tough matchup. And uh, I, I don't want to oversell things, though, because both teams are 5-5. Five and five And uh, and uh, if you look at pro football references, uh, win probability for both teams, they're ex- almost exactly the same. They have them as 6-4 six, six and four teams. Uh, they have some weaknesses. They have some strengths. And uh, all right, we'll move on to the next topic. Uh, you wanted to talk how we can beat them. And my first key to the game is who do we get on the offensive side? Do we get aggressive play that we've seen in the last two weeks? Or do we get our checkdown king, Mr. Captain Checkdown? <laughs> Dave, still not on the Cousins train. No. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, I mean, he's been yes, playing outstanding was... for the most part, but he still yes. has his foibles when we know he has his foibles. and the, the, He's had less vapor lock. Niner Sickness talked about it. He used to get flustered after that first read. Well, Niner, uh, we used to call it vapor locking. You could see like an old carburetor where it'd get air in it and suddenly... And uh, he's gotten better at that. But there's still the times when he, his risk aversion takes over and he does his two-down check down to C.J. Ham. So, Niner Sickness talked about when he was on our show, the best way for the Niners to beat us is to keep their offense on the field, to gas our defense, like with Baltimore, and he's right. That's the easiest way. But if Kirk Cousins comes out aggressive, things can change. We can score anytime. Yes, and that has been like the real uh, switch uh, that's been flipped by the Vikings offense after the Dallas game, which was a debacle, uh, and where we saw numerous like it was basically checked down city by, by Kirk and the Vikings offense. And we were like fire Kubiak. What the hell is cousins doing, et cetera, et cetera. Chargers game. And the, against that team in Wisconsin, the offense is done. What the fans who don't know anything, according to Mike Zimmer and other people (laughs) have been calling for, get the ball to Justin Jefferson, get the ball to Adam Thielen. Push the ball down the field. Try some deep stuff. Try some longer throws. Don't throw short of the sticks. Throw beyond the sticks so you have a better chance of a first down. They have been doing that the last two games. And last week against Green Bay, uh, Cousins had, uh, Football Outsiders had this nugget, Cousins had 14 deep throws in that game, which was four more than any other quarterback in the NFL. And if you know all the quarterbacks, you know that Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers are some of those quarterbacks. So <laughs> that is a like a huge shift in how the Vikings offense operates than what it had operated uh, before the you know the Chargers and the Packers games. And I think that that is now that has got to be what you got to continue to do. Yes. 
it there, it makes no sense on third and ten to throw a screen to C.J. Ham or even to Dalvin Cook at the line of scrimmage and expect them to break three or four tackles and get very good blocking and get the first down. That's a safe uh, way and a sure way to fail. Throw it to the guys who are 11 or 12 yards down the field and make sure you're past the sticks and he can get the first downs. Don't hope for things. Don't hope for good things. Make good things happen. And the Vikings offense seems to be doing that more in the last two games, and they have to do it again against the 49ers to to win this game and continue to get to score enough points to force the 49ers to do what they don't want to do which is throw the ball a lot more than they want to run the ball and but to get that to happen um, the offensive line the Vikings offensive line has got to hold up 2019 the last time we played the 49ers granted this 49ers defense is not as good I think as as the 2019-49 defense. Don't have DeVorest Buckner. Uh, you know, Richard Sherman isn't there anymore. Uh, there you know, a few other players. But in that game, their front seven totally overwhelmed our offensive line. And our offensive line has changed a lot since then, too. But Cousins didn't have time to throw. Cousins had to reser- resort to a lot of checkdowns. Dalvin Cook got nothing done in that game. We were totally overwhelmed. And... Uh, the offensive line, the Vikings offensive line, has to have its best game of the year against the 49ers to give Cousins time to throw. Um, yep. That's a big key. Now, last week, uh, I was surprised, but uh, Cousins was, according to ESPN, Cousins was pressured on 40% of his dropbacks against that team from Wisconsin and that's last week. That's a key that, number. That is, it seems a lot to me. And he made some tough, tough throws and completions under pressure. And that's kind of been the difference with Cousins this year compared to previous years is that he seems to be standing in there and making those some of those tough those throws. throws. He's the, the 40% number is generally, as PFF talks it, uh, very few quarterbacks win when they're pressured more than 40%. Kirk Cousins has been the exception. Um <clears throat> Karthik asked about uh, KJ Osborne, Ozzy, and uh, <laughs> KJ right here has been a very good wide receiver number three for us. We haven't had one in years, and we very much appreciate him being there. He doesn't get an awful lot of attention, but he has been solid. He's come up big in in a couple of games where the where Thielen and Ju- Justin Jefferson haven't shown up or haven't been getting the ball, um, and that hasn't been happening much lately. Uh, and cause, and Justin Jefferson is on a huge roll right now. Seems uncoverable. Well, he is uncoverable, and he'll certainly be uncoverable against this defensive backfield with the 49ers if Cousins gets enough time to get the ball out. Well, and let's talk about that. Here, I brought up our O-line rankings. You have Football Outsiders has us 18th in the run and second in the pass. I still don't know how they figure out the pass um, because everybody knows they're not that good at pass blocking, but it is what it is. Here's your composite scores for the whole offensive pass blocking and run blocking. 
from PFF, and you can see PFF doesn't like their pass blocking either. So, we don't know who's starting center. Mike Zimmer had asked, is it going to be Cole, Mason Cole again? And he wouldn't commit. And then he said, somebody alluded, well, if it's at Bradbury, and then Mason Cole may move, and he wouldn't commit. So, we may see a sh- shakeup this week. I don't know how smart that is, but we'll find out Sunday. Yeah, the like last week, uh, Mason Cole had some huge issues with um, Kenny Clark, um, mm-hmm. and uh, and got pushed back pretty good on some plays. Now, some of those plays, uh, Clark had a, did a great job anticipating the snap. And really, I don't think Cole could have done any better than he could have done because uh, Kenny Clark was in the backfield before the ball, just as the ball was snapped. Like Clark anticipated the snap so bad, so well, right. uh, like nobody could have blocked him. But he's, even when that didn't happen, he was still having issues. And I think that the Vikings looked at that. I'm, I'm afraid that the Vikings' offense is uh, co- the offensive coaching staff will look at that and say, "All right, that's proof that." Mason Cole is a backup, and he ain't any better than Garrett Bradbury. Let's get Bradbury back in there. Well, Garrett Bradbury has been doing that. That's been happening to him for like three fucking seasons, and he's never lost his starting position. So I think I'd still roll with roll with Cole and see what happens. Well, the difference I don't between... think putting Bradbury in there is going to result in any difference. Well, there's a couple differences between the two players. Um, Bradbury's better at cover, calling protections. Um, for the offensive line, and just you guys, Karthik and uh, Beto, know our center is the one that calls protect protections, not Cousins. Cousins can change it, but he does it maybe one time out of a hundred. It's it's up to our center, and he's even used that as an excuse for getting things wrong. Is I didn't call the protection, you know, and it's like Zimmer said, you have the right, do it. Um, mm-hmm. The one thing, Bradbury calls protections better. Uh, Cole, even though both of them get picked up in forklift a lot, Cole generally sets his anchor prior to being pushed into Cousins. Mostly, right? More than Bradbury does. So you have that slight difference. Um, As I said, I think on previous show, we still need to look at a new center for next year because neither of them are at the quality level we want them to be. Definitely. Now, what I'm afraid of is this guy right there. Um, Arik Armstead. If he's playing, as far as I know, he's still playing. Um, He ate us up before. And got pressure in the middle. And it's those interior guys, whether it be Cole or Bradbury or Cleveland or Udo or Cole, that's going to, um, you know, see the brunt of that. And with the two defensive ends coming in and you've got a now an interior guy coming in, it could be a long day. Our key to victory, one of them, is that offensive line holding up and giving enough time for Kirk Cousins to do his stuff. And Karthik says, yes, you know, he's playing. So, eh. 
this guy scares me. Yeah, I, uh, I, I've always, I always thought Armstead was like the lesser player compared to Buckner, but uh, well, it may be, but, but he's, he's got, but yeah. like, he's got almost thirty pressures. He's only got like two or three mm-hmm. sacks, but he's got like thirty pressures, and uh, yeah. and and pressures are what matter more. Sacks are pretty, and sacks are great, but pressures, consistent pressure, is what matters more. I'd rather have four guys across the defensive line consistently pressuring. Um, a team than necessarily one or two leading the, the league in sacks and then our pressure level below on top of that. Um, Karthik, don't forget Tyler Conklin. He's just like Osborne, but a tight end, super fast too. Yes, Tyler is doing well this year. We are quite pleased. You wanted to hit this matchup up. Now, Bosa can play both sides, so O'Neal, O'Neal can see him as well. But you wanted Bosa against Darasol. Yeah, well, I think it's it's Bosa against whoever. But um, right. when uh, Bosa's got ten sacks this year and, and a phenomenal player, uh, when uh, uh, Vikings fans who don't watch a lot of 49er games, if uh, you watch closely in the 2019 divisional playoff game, you would you would have noticed that Bosa uh, pretty much killed us, and uh, he's a guy that's got. Everything you'd want in defensive end. Uh, great pass rushing moves. Uh, he's got power. He's got speed. He's quick off the snap. And he, also extremely important, some of his sacks, I wouldn't say a lot, but some of his sacks are the extra effort stuff. Like he does not give up when the play seems to be over. He just keeps on grinding, keeps on uh, pushing them, keeping the motor going, and he gets extra effort snap uh, sacks and extra effort pressures offensive linemen tackles their big boys and they have a tendency at least some of the non-elite ones they have a tendency to like okay i pushed i i've got the first block uh the ball should be out now i'm gonna stop blocking and that is sometimes where bosa gets his pressures and his other sacks is he doesn't give up he keeps pursuing the quarterback if the play is extended He's got that motor. He's there. Meanwhile, our tackles or the op- opposing tackles have already given up on the play, and they're just standing there watching Bosa run around and chase the quarterback. And so Derisaw, who coming out of college, one of the knocks on him was one of the reasons that he probably didn't get drafted until when he did is that his effort was knocked uh, at times that he kind of gave up on plays when he thought the play was over. Uh, I don't think that's been a huge issue this year as a rookie, but both him and O'Neal need to, if they've got Bosa lined up against them, they better well be prepared to play the whole eight, nine, ten seconds, however long the play is, is, is goes, and block, make sure Bosa does not get after Cousins at any point in time. Easier said than done, but they just can't assume that they get out, get their kickstart going, they push Bosa out wide, mm-hmm. and that the play is over. They have to play until the whistle. Yes, without a doubt. Without a doubt. And that should be their goal every play, but against Nick Bosa, it's even more important because the guy never gives up on a play. And he's a game wrecker if he's consistently creating pressure for the 49ers. I've seen him basically 
oh, not win games for the 49ers on defensive line, but, uh, you know, against the Rams, he was, like, he was phenomenal in that game that I saw. Like, uh, and and I would say that the, the Vikings offensive line is not as good as the Rams offensive line. So big, a huge battle there, and... Uh, uh, we like what we've seen from Darisaw. Last week, he, I think he gave, you know, he was up against Preston Smith and and had some issues there. But uh, for a rookie, he's been doing pretty well. But this will be his toughest test to date when he's line, lined up against Darisaw, and he has to win those battles. Yeah. For us to have a chance to win, what are you? What do you see as our keys to winning this game? Our being the Vikings, I think that. Yeah, well, I think that uh, we have to do uh, the Vikings defense on defense. The Vikings defense is—they're kind of maddening. Um, for the first twenty-eight, for the first twenty-eight minutes of the game, they play like an elite unit, and then the next thirty-two minutes, they play like the worst defense you've ever seen. <laughs> and that's that's kind of what happened against Green Bay last week. Yes. I don't know why that happens. It's what uh, now fifty. We 50- 59 points in the last two minutes of the first half? Yeah, and and then all the points that the opponents are getting in the second half beyond that. It's, mm-hmm. uh, you know, when you go back to Baltimore game and uh, and all of that sort of stuff, it's, um, so the, I, I think that one of the things, one of the keys to victory is we have to do, we have to play, we have to, come up with a way defensively to at least prevent the 49ers from uh, running the ball at will. Uh, force Jimmy Garoppolo to have to com- make some plays on third and long situations. That won't happen if we're constantly giving up five or six yards on running plays uh, to the 49ers in this game. That's the one thing. And I think the other thing, again, is the offensive line being able to, one, uh, this isn't rocket science, but one, be able to uh, block well enough in the run game to give Dalvin Cook, uh, make him effective. Yes. Uh, at, least he, at least he's getting three yards, four yards, most carries, and then he's going to break occasionally. He's going to break one for more than that, like he always 10, does. 20. Yeah. But he, yeah, but he can't be getting stuffed three out of four carries for like no gain or tackles for mm-hmm. a loss. And that, and then the other thing is that, and if we can do that, that will allow us to get uh, have the the Forty Nineers defense respect the Vikings running game enough that we can do a little bit of play action, do a little boots, and throw the ball down the field fifteen, twenty yards or more, like we've been doing the last two games, and allow Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen to attack these Forty Nineer corners. We need bigger chunk plays on a more consistent basis because I think it's going to be very tough for us to grind out drives against this defense. We saw the rankings earlier in the game. The rankings, whether it's Elias or PFF or Football Outsiders, they all think the 49ers have a pretty good defense. Mm-hmm. And for, I just lost my train of thought. Oh, for our defense, we've got to, uh, Shanahan loves to, put people in motion all the time. Things are always moving. They have got to be able to handle that and adjust. And hopefully with Barr there, that helps to adjust that so they don't get burned 
Otherwise, Shanahan's going to do that eat up the clock thing, and we need to be able. We can play eat up the clock too, but yeah. we also can play score fast. And if we score fast multiple times, then that limits what um, the Niners can do and makes Jimmy Garoppolo win the game. And I'd rather have that than all his weapons doing it. And we'll see. Yeah, the uh, I, I, this may be a good thing for the Vikings' defense is that uh, I think they faced a lot of offenses this year that do those sorts of things that Shanahan, Shanahan does the motion. Uh, you know, the multiple guys in motion. You know, we faced the, the Cardinals. We faced sure. uh, the Packers now. They, they do all those sorts of things. Uh, the Baltimore Ravens. We've seen uh, we've those seen kind a lot of, of motion offenses. teams. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I, you know uh, it's it's going to be interesting because uh, the Vikings have also faced a lot of quarterbacks who are, are mobile, who are or, or who are very good at avoiding pressure. Even Aaron Rodgers doesn't run a lot, but he's right. pretty good at moving around in the pocket, like that dirty threw to Deguara on that touchdown. That was an unbelievable play and throw under pressure. Jimmy Garoppolo is not one of those quarterbacks. He's pretty much a stationary guy, a little bit maybe a little bit more mobile than Kirk, but kind of similar in that way. If we can get pressure he on him, he's going to he's going to be in the pocket uh, for us to get. But can we get pressure? Uh, the 49ers uh, offensive line, they lost McGlinchey, but uh, Trent Williams has been playing at a at a very very high level apparently, uh, and uh, he's been a lockdown at left tackle. At right tackle, the 49ers have Tom Compton. Viking fans would remember him mm-hmm. back from when he played for us in 2018. Uh, he was, I think, our highest rated offensive lineman that year, but still uh, not a very good offensive lineman. That could be an advantage for the Vikings attacking Compton on could that be. edge. We'll see. With that. Is there any last things you want to say? I think the the um, like we uh, I hate to like talk up the 49ers like they're the this um, unbelievable juggernaut. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they're 5 and 5. Uh, 3 weeks ago, people were some people were screaming fire Shanahan. Get, you know, put Lynn Lance mm-hmm. for Garoppolo kind of similar to what was happening over uh, with Minnesota Vikings fans, and I was one of them. Um, so, uh, you know, they, they have some holes as a team. Uh, the Vikings have some holes as a team. That's why we're both 5-5. Five and five. And it's an uh, even matchup. Even, mm-hmm. even, it's an even matchup. So, uh, like every game the Vikings have had this year, uh, this probably is a one-score game that comes down late, late into the game. Uh-huh. And we're like... Both fans on both teams are biting their fingernails and, um, and like, you know, just wondering, how did we get here? How did we get here? We should, we should have had this game won. Um, I, I think the only thing, one of the interesting things is that the, with the Saints losing on Thanksgiving Day uh-huh. um, and, uh, you know, some of those, uh, like, that, Whoever loses this game is not out of the playoff race. Right. Uh, it's it's not. But it makes helpful. it a lot more difficult. Mm-hmm. Yes, but not as difficult uh, be, because the four, like the the Saints are kind of tanking mm-hmm. right now, and uh, <laughs> as well, all and our hearts. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, so that even 
Uh-huh. The seventh seed is is kind of wide open right now, I think, in the NFC. Okay. Uh, you've got the Eagles surging. The Saints are dropping. Which team is going to go on a big roll? Both the 49ers and the Vikings have won two in a row. Can you win three in a row? Uh, the Vikings would be Vikings would be set up very well if they win this one. Then they've got Detroit. You know, the following week, a road game against a winless team. Hey. All right. Viking Jerome said 38-27 to Vikings. What's your pick? Yeah, Dave, uh, I feel like I'm a, kind of a broken record here every week picking against the Vikings, but uh, I'm going to do it again. Okay. Uh, I just I, I feel that, that the Vikings' strengths are, uh, and the 49ers' weaknesses, there, there's some things we can certainly pick on there, but I feel like the, the 49ers' strengths and our weaknesses are just a tip a little bit more in the 49ers' favor. And so I'm uh, thinking that I'm, I'm not looking very optimistic on this game. I feel that the Vikings are going to lose uh, to the 49ers. And it's uh, um, and are going to struggle to put the put up the offensive output they've had the previous two games. So I'm looking at this one as as being uh, I'm, I, I feel that it's going to be 24 to uh, 13 for the for the, the bad low guys, scoring. the 49ers. Low scoring, kind of low scoring. Uh, again, like last week, hoping I'm wrong because I figured I. I figured the Vikings would have a lot of trouble moving the ball on on the Packers' defense, and it turned out they had no trouble moving the ball on them. Well, I picked the Vikings uh, so, uh, in this one, 31-27, but I could see it going both ways, and I struggled with that pick. So, who knows? Feels like a... Yeah, I, I feel like a, like a Viking Jerome saying 38-27. That seems very high scoring for this Most likely, game. Jake, that's as close as we get them. I think Karthik saying 27-17 yeah, he's either way player, is... So. Yeah. Anyways, with that, we have to remind you that uh, about at the two-minute point, we go into um, our post-game show called, and that's the wrong graphic, called The Final Score with Climbing the Pocket Network, where you'll see four of us regulars or not. Who knows? We haven't discussed it yet, but you'll see some of us, and we will be talking live with you as we watch that last part of the game, as the Vikings are trying to come back on that last-minute drive like we've seen too many times this season, um, we'll all watch it together and discuss it and react. And until then, enjoy the season. Starting to put up Christmas decorations. Got more to go. And uh, <laughs> be safe. Be happy as always. Enjoy your fine beverages. Be healthy. Skull Vikings! Skull Vikings, baby. Thank you for watching or listening. As always, if you like, subscribe, and ring the bell for notifications. And if you're listening to the podcast, please rate us on your favorite aggregator. Skull, everybody.